All right, welcome in Undraftables Podcast, episode number eight. Hey, Carlton, Kate Livingston with you as uh, getting set for a fun interview today. Um, should be a good show, but before we get into anything, I'll say what's up to Kate Livingston. Man, what's going on? It's uh, good to be back. Uh, you know, I think, I know we've got some people looking forward to uh, to hearing our podcast, you know, I, I get new text messages, you know, every week about, Hey, I saw you had a pod and listen, it's really good. And so hopefully we can keep adding new listeners each week and, uh, you know, do our part to help during this, uh, during this time where not a lot's going on. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we had, I thought we had a, a good one at last week talking WNBA with, uh, Doug Feinberg. Um, but this week we're going to stay in, college sports women's college basketball in particular um and talk with someone who was a standout at arkansas and now is an assistant coach at the collegiate level uh we'll tell you more about that but we want to get into a few things before we got into the interview today uh and and the, and the biggest thing is that sports are back this week uh mlb comes back on thursday night so we're recording this on wednesday july 22nd so tomorrow night the MLB comes back July 23rd uh WNBA comes back July 25th uh we're going to see some exhibition NBA games uh over the course of the next week or so and then the NBA makes its official return next weekend so uh, we've talked about it forever and now we're finally to the point where we're getting sports back yeah it's it's fun to finally see it again you know I've been been watching exhibition baseball, yep. you know, inner, inner squad stuff, uh, you know, and for all the things that we talked about baseball before, about how they may lose their fan base. Well, Americans are showing that they love sports and I'm sure the viewership on YouTube and, and all the local Fox channels for all these teams have, have been through the roof right now. So, um, good to see it back, you know, looking forward to the WBA as well this weekend, some pretty big matchups. Hopefully we get to catch, a couple of those and um you know it's it's good to and, and we'll have golf this weekend too can't forget about yeah. that you know they they've been the uh they were the outlier you know and got, got back on first of all of them so yeah no doubt uh, and it's just good to get to a point where you have sports back obviously uh you know the, i guess the biggest one coming back this weekend is the mlb uh you know, you and I both have watched the exhibition stuff. Um, granted, I've only watched maybe a total of six innings of the Cubs exhibition stuff just because I can't get into exhibition baseball that much. But um, it's it's going to be weird just because at uh, at Wrigley, I guess it was last Sunday night, the Cubs played the White Sox. They were on Sunday night baseball. It was just weird because they were piping in fan noise and it was so obvious they were popping in fan noise, and it just kind of took away from the game. I don't know. The fan noise stuff, to me, has not gone over well so far. Yeah, I, I was actually watching a replay this morning of, of the Braves and, and noticed it, and it just – yeah, it, it doesn't sound great because, yeah, I mean, we see it. It's fake. Like, and right. I, don't, I don't think the players necessarily need it. I mean, um, 
because they're in the stadium. They obviously know that that's coming over the speaker. So um, it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all if they got rid of that. And and the, I don't know. If, did you see the cardboard cutouts at the Yankees Mets? I saw that. Yeah. What, what do you think of that? Um, I like that better than piping and crowd noise. I still don't like it, but I like that better than piping. Like I just just accept your circumstances and live with having no fans. Like. Everybody knows there's no fans in the stadium. When when a camera pans out to the outfield to see somebody making a catch and there's no, nothing but empty seats, but yet you hear crowd cheering, like that just, I don't know, that throws everything off. Yeah, no. It, I mean, I will I will say, like, I knew there were no fans there, but when it first, when you first saw it, it kind of did look like fans were there. Yeah. Um, but, but then it's like, then you're like, oh, okay, like that's fake, like, that's just a way for them to make money, you know. That, that, that that's all they're doing is you can pay to have your cutout in the stadium when they play on TV, I guess. So, well, but, that's uh, that's what it's going to be for just about everybody this year because everybody's going to be in the red in terms of ticket sales and stuff like that. So, anything you can do to generate, you know, revenue from sponsorships <laughs> is what you're going to do. Yep, no doubt. And uh, I, I'm just, you know, I think everybody's ready just to see some real, some real sports. You know, with baseball being the major one coming back. Um, speaking of baseball, and you know, up in the air, how about the Blue Jays not being able to play in Toronto? And, yeah. You know, came out this morning that I think they're going to end up sharing the the park with the Pittsburgh Pirates at PNC. Um, that's gonna that's got to be awkward for everybody involved in that situation too. Yeah, uh, I think it'd probably be more awkward if there were fans. I don't necessarily know how awkward it's going to be without fans just because, I mean, everything's just going to be different. Um, I did see where they're going to be the home team in a series at Nationals Park and a series at Yankee Stadium when their schedule conflicts with the Pirates. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I think uh, it, it's going to be weird for the players more so than anything because you're talking about – you know, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Brewers, whoever can stay in their homes whenever they have a home game. When the Blue Jays have a home game, they're still staying in the hotel. Right. And, you know, and during this time when we're talking about, you know, clubs losing money, that's another expense that the Blue Jays are going to have to take on. Yeah. Um, I mean, think about it. Not only, like, from a hotel standpoint, but from meals to travel. I mean – you know, when, when they're playing a home game in Toronto, most of those players will make their own meal at home, more than likely, at least one of them, you know. And, you know, you're talking about 40 to 50 people, that that's going to add up, you know. And uh, so, but hey, uh, they, they figured it out. They're going to get to play. And that's the most important thing. Yep, no doubt. Uh, so we're both excited to have some sports back uh, this weekend. Uh, obviously, a lot is still you know, kind of in the air on college athletics. Uh, still don't know much about football or potential basketball season starting, but uh, we are going to talk a little bit of college sports today with a name that, uh, you know, some people in this area uh, will recognize because she was a standout at Arkansas. Yeah, uh, we got Jasmine Bowen on today. She's an assistant coach at Western Kentucky, um, you know, played at Arkansas, um, under Tom Collin, that's where, you know, she, she played there and then played for Jimmy Dykes and actually went to the second round of the NCAA tournament. So, yeah. um, she definitely understands the uh, landscape of Arkansas basketball. 
um, with being an alum. I know she has a lot of connections here in the state still. Um, in fact, the, the her head coach, uh, Coach Collins at Western Kentucky, he was an assistant in Arkansas, and that's kind of the connection of how she got at, at Western is that she played for, for Coach Collins. So um, really looking forward to, to hearing her and hearing her story and um, getting a chance to learn more about the Western Kentucky program and, and, and just talking women's basketball in general. Yeah, no doubt, because uh, she definitely has an interesting story just because it's so rare to see somebody – who is a grad assistant at one place uh, when a new coach takes over to get hired as a full-time assistant and still be there, you know, four years later where you started your grad coaching career at. Yeah, that's, that's very rare. Um, but that just tells you kind of about what, you know, what she values and what's co- and what coach Collins values, you know, they value, you know, coaches always say they're going to take care of the kids that they've coached and, you know, sometimes you wonder if that's just lip service to get a kid, but he he actually lives it. You know, by bringing her in, and and she wanted to coach, and we'll get we'll get that story of why she wanted to get into coaching after playing. You know, and um, definitely looking forward to that. Yep, for sure. Um, so, shout out to Jasmine Bowen for hopping on with us. We'll have that interview coming up right after this. Welcome back into the Undraftables podcast as we're pleased to be joined by Western Kentucky women's basketball assistant Jasmine Bowen. Jasmine, thanks for hopping on with us. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, so, you know, we're going to start, uh, you know, with your playing days and kind of work our way up to the point where you're at Western Kentucky. Uh, you know, w- when you're at high school, you're, you're voted the best player in the state of Kansas. Uh, you broke school records and rebound averages. Uh, you know, a, a McDonald's All-American nominee and, you know, won so many games. You know, just kind of walk us through uh, your high school career and some of the successes you had as a uh, high school basketball player in Kansas. Well, I think it it had to have all started for me when I was in the eighth grade. I didn't start playing basketball until the seventh grade. Uh, because my mom was really, really strict on academics. And she was like, you're not just going to be a basketball player. That's not all you're going to do. So you have to get your grades first. So I did not play all the way up into the seventh grade. And then when I finally got into the uh, eighth grade, I was always taller than everybody all the time. But I was so skinny. And I was working out with uh, one of my trainers. um, And he had one of his college coaches come and evaluate me in the eighth grade. I only been playing basketball for two years, working out with him for a while. Uh, and that coach said something to me that kind of like sparked something in me. And I think that was the whole beginning of my career and what motivated me. He told me that I would never be a division one athlete. Cause I was, when I tell you I was skin and bones, my knees touched before my thighs did. That's how little I was. <laughs> so, so I was skin and bones. I was tall and lanky. Just you know, I was, I was probably growing more on on a you know monthly basis than anything, and trying to figure out how to use my limbs and be coordinated uh, as far as dribbling, shooting, all that type of stuff. I, I probably looked along the lines of those things that are outside of the the car dealerships that blow in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how I looked, and so. He told me that, and I'm like, what? 
Like that's when people tell me I can't, that's when I, I really go for it. And so in, in my mind at that, at that time, I told him, I'm going to make you recruit me. And then I'm going to tell you, no, when you give me an offer. And I actually had the opportunity to, to do that. And that coach and I are still, we're good friends now uh, because I see him in the recruiting world. And he always tells me jazz. I'm the reason why you are who you are. And you, you, you made, you did the things that you did. And I honestly think he was a really, really big part of it. Um, and that kind of motivated me to always, you know, do my best in any and everything I do and always go full speed because I wanted to make sure he called me and gave me an offer and make him eat his words. And he ended up doing that. And so uh, just throughout my career, having good role models, good coaches, because uh, my mom, this is my, I'm the, oldest child um and so my mom was really 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 green in the area of getting recruited how is it supposed to go AAU tournaments traveling so uh having good good AAU coaches good high school coaches good people in my life that took care of me um and that wanted the best for me uh really helped me throughout high school and on into college yeah, I want to hit on something you just said that that we I wasn't planning on asking, but you talked about how you're the oldest and your mom was really green with the recruiting process. What advice do you have for recruits that and parents that are in that same situation? Because the game has changed, but you're still in it. Like mm-hmm. so, so you know, kind of throw some advice out there to you know to these parents and kids of what they need to be looking for in a school. And not not even necessarily Western, which you can obviously you know plug Western all you want since this is your podcast today. But mm-hmm. but just in general, you know, for kids to you know just advice because there's a lot of people giving a lot of bad advice to kids out there today. It, it definitely is, and what I will say is, do your homework. Don't let anybody uh, or anyone that you don't absolutely trust and that knows has your best interest at heart. Uh, point you in a direction that you may not feel comfortable with. And so what my coaches did, uh, and we never really talked about recruiting. They said, Jazz, are you getting all these, these letters? I want you to go through and I want you to research how many players they have in your position, the schools that you're serious about, and how many players are, are they recruiting in your same position, in your class. And so that really kind of put things in perspective because when I was young, Texas A&M was my dream school. I wanted to go there. I loved Gary Blair. I loved the program. I'm just like, I'm going to Texas A&M. And so then I figured out at that time, I'm like, they have an All-American, that's a a junior, an upcoming All-American, that's a freshman now. And then they have a senior that gets a little bit of minute. So I'm like, do I want to wait until my sophomore year to play, my junior year to play? Can I beat them in practice? Am I going to have an advantage over them coming in as a freshman and they've been in this program for two years and they know what he wants and they, they've proven themselves in, in the conference and things like that. And so that really helped me understand, like, because practice is what matters. Can I, beat, can I beat these people out in practice? And I think that's what really helped me. And I think that's what a lot of recruits, student athletes, they don't do. They they just say, okay, well, I like the school. They're on Instagram a lot. They're on Twitter a lot. They win a lot of games. 
cultures are cool. They post a lot of stuff. So, hey, I'm gonna go there. You know, but then when they get there, they can't beat people out in practice, and then they want to transfer, and they they don't, and it, it becomes hard for them. So, I think if you know what you're going into when you commit to a school and when you're looking at a school, it kind of helps your mindset and understand. It kind of gives you a, a a goal to reach. You know who they are. You know who you have to beat. You know what you have to do. You know you you have a goal. And I think if more student athletes, more recruits have goals of what they're going to do going into college, it'll lessen the transfer portal. It'll lessen, uh, you know, freshman year woes. Because you're going to have them because it's different. And also another thing is go to the, the recruiting the staff that loves you. If they don't love you, don't go there. They they have to they have to love you as a player and as a person. Um and that's that's really, really big. So those are the two main things that, you know, my coaches told me and that kinda helps me uh big, big time in my recruiting process and and made it a lot easier for me. So you wind up going to Arkansas, so you know, kind of a twofold here. So, number one, what kind of led you to Arkansas? And then number two, I mean, you know, you're getting recruited 2009, 2010, 2011, somewhere in that range. Just how much has recruiting changed from when you were a player to now as a coach? Oh, wow. Uh, at that time, I think at the beginning of my recruiting career process, uh, coaches could only call once a week. And so – that that was very different because now coaches can call as many times as they want, right. you know, outside of recruiting shutdowns and things like that. Um, and so, you know, coaches really had to make an impact on you in that one phone conversation that they had a week with you. Um, and also, back, I had a flip phone back then. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't an iPhone where you could FaceTime and do this and do that. And I was in high school, and my mom, she loved her to death. She was a strict parent. Nine o'clock, you got to get ready to get up, go work out, and go to school. Give me that phone because you're not staying up all night. So, you know, having to reach out to me through, that's when Facebook was first starting. Well, I first started logging on to Facebook. Um, And so coaches were reaching out to me through there and, you know, coming yep. to games and things like that. So I think the amount of the recruiting that a college can do to a student athlete definitely has changed. And I think that definitely becomes a little bit overwhelming. Um, you definitely get to know the staff a little bit better though, cause you're on the phone with them all the time. Uh, but I, the, the thing that led me to Arkansas is, the relationship and the conversations that I had with coach Collins, um, that was at Western that time at the time. And he's now my head coach, uh, coach Eatman, um, coach Tom Collins, um, and coach G. And so they started recruiting me in the ninth grade, uh, when jazz was still the thing out in front of the car dealerships that blows around. I, I wasn't <laughs> anything yet. And so, that that really had an impact on me and the one you know phone conversations that we were able to have a week uh they were sustainable like they had value to them they weren't just on the phone talking there there was value to them they had watched me play they had they know my game 
they told me, okay, look, this is what you need to get better at because if you don't, it's going to be a long road for you. And so that helped me. I don't, I didn't like coaches that just shot smoke up my butt. I didn't, I didn't want that because I'm not, I'm not going to get better. I'm never going to get on the floor. I want to know what I have to do to get on the floor. That's all I want to know. And so with that, that helped me go to Arkansas. That led me to Arkansas. The coaching staff had, was really invested in me. And they were actually at Louisville first. So I was going to go to Louisville. And right. I I had decided, like, okay, Louisville's a little far. But I think I think that's where I'm going to go. I, I love the staff. I love what they're doing. Um, they develop. Coach Collins is a, a developer. And I, I love I love that. And so I said, I'm going to Louisville. And then they were like, oh. We're going to Arkansas. How do you feel about that? I went and I liked Arkansas as well. But the main thing for me is the people that I was going to be around. I, again, done my research. I looked up, can I beat these players out? There were some like, ah, I don't know. So it wasn't it wasn't a bad deal for me. And I, I did it based off uh, the research and what, what made Jazz happy and what uh, – I felt was best for me and not the name and not who plays on TV and who doesn't and, and things like that. Like people were like, what is, what is the Arkansas Razorback? And I'm like, to be honest, <laughs> I don't know, but that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. So, uh, so, so what were your thoughts the first time you heard the hog call? Because like, I hear stories all the time from like, you know, recruits that have never heard it, that aren't, aren't familiar with Arkansas to, even like opposing teams that come in and, and that happens and they're looking around like, what is going on? So I, what was your reaction to that? Yeah. I was like, what, what, <laughs> what is this? Like, what? And so what the crazy thing about it is, is that I learned more about my family and, and where we're from through going to Arkansas. Uh, my grandma is from uh, South Arkansas and her brothers. And so when you know, we were Coach Collins was telling me about the hog call and things like that. My grandma was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how we call hogs. That's how we call pigs." And so <laughs> she she taught me more about it, and she you know gave me the the country version of it. Uh, and and she was in love with it. She was so happy, and that kind of helped me, you know, be more uh, comfortable with it and like okay. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not that bad. And she's like, yeah, that's how your grandpa used to call the hogs in. And I'm like, so they <laughs> hogs really come when you say that? And she was like, yes. And so that kind of amazed me. I'm like, so it's not just a thing they made up. And she's like, no. And I didn't, I thought it was just something that, you know, Arkansas made up to go along with it. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool, especially when you get into that football stadium and everybody's calling it all at the same time. It is. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely a, a different. I mean, you got seventy five thousand doing it. It's it's crazy. Um, it's crazy. So so you're at Arkansas your, your freshman year. You know, you come from Wichita, where you're setting records. You know, rebounding and you're winning a bunch of games. Talk about your transition that first year from, you know, you're the man in high school to now you're now you're trying to find your role as a freshman and and kind of talk about how you got through that because a lot of times that breaks a kid that goes to to the an SEC school and is not used to not playing all the time or getting the most shots so talk about that that transition for you as a freshman oh yes yeah. i think every freshman 
goes through it. Um, it, it was difficult. It was definitely hard. I think I tried, I, I fought it for as long as I could. Um, but being a competitor, um, it was, uh, it was definitely a lot of crying, a lot of tears that were shed behind closed doors. Um, a lot of early nights and late nights in the gym, watching film, just trying to figure, figure it out. Uh, and a lot of venting to the correct people. And I think you, that that's definitely important. You have to know who you can talk to about it and who's going to give you good advice. And so my uh, trainers from high school and my mom were definitely good people to talk to because they never went against my morals and values and, and my head coach. It, it was never... Well, Jazz, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. You should be doing this. It was, are you getting in the gym? Are you getting better? Are you beating people out in practice? And so I think that helped me into understanding and to looking at, you know, practice film and things like that. What do I need to do to get on the floor? What What is something that, that is lacking in the game that I could be a part of, that I can help with? Why did they recruit me? And so just having positive reminders of as to why I'm here kind of helped me. It was definitely hard though. It was definitely some times where, you know, I laid in the bed before practice and was contemplating <laughs> whether I wanted to go or not. I'm like, man, this is, <laughs> I don't know about this, but you know, it's, it's just a, diff- a different level of success that you have to have the desire to want to get to. Um, and I think it, it's in every competitor. It's just who is going to help you pull that out. Um, and so, again, when I say go to a staff that understands you and knows your game and loves you, that was an important part, Coach Collins. We did a, something called good shot, bad shot. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> it, it, if y'all can only imagine what good shot, bad shot is. So in practice, we would go over, you know, we, we have film. And he would come and he would cut the film and he would call me into his office and he was like, Jazz, okay, we're going to go over good shot, bad shot. And he would just go over my shots and bad shot, bad shot, bad shot, good shot, bad shot. Bad. And so it, it helped me to understand what I had to do and to see what they were seeing um, and watching film and being vulnerable and, and asking questions, the right questions don't i don't i i don't promote going into a coach's office and saying you should be playing me when are you going to start playing more the question is what do i need to do to get on the floor and they definitely showed me that um and even though i didn't get a, a lot of time my freshman year to taking that time to really learn myself as a player and learn what they needed and then going to starting as a sophomore and then team captain and then so it 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 all turns around you just have to be patient um and i i owe it a lot to my coaching staff and to you know helping me and encouraging me yeah you know you talk about your sophomore year so you're starting to get more minutes you get a few starts you get you know six seven eight games where you're scoring in double digits and you know kind of really starting to find your role and then in the off season kind of everything changes you know how difficult was it for you to kind of go through the coaching change of you know coach collins leaving to you know coach dykes coming in midway through your career 
Ooh, okay. Well, I think I probably went through six or seven assistant head coaches changes during my career at Arkansas. Um, I think it it was tough. It was different. There was different coaching styles that you weren't used to, that you had to uh, adapt to. Um, definitely, that that was that was a big thing for me. Just trying to adapt to the different coaching styles that each assistant brought in at the time. Um, and I think just being open to change because I'm not, I don't like change very much. I, I wasn't. So I was kind of hard headed at the beginning um, as far as allowing those coaches to come in because I'm just like, okay, when's the next one going to come in? That That's kind of how I felt. Um, but at the end of the day, I wanted to win. Yep. So whatever their game plan was, their scheme, their any whatever we got to do, let's win. Let's have fun and let's win. And so the fact that we all had a common goal kind of helped me to overlook some of the, the coaching changes and the way they coached me and the, the way we led the team um, to be okay with it. And then my senior year coming in with Coach, with Coach Dykes, it was my junior year ended rough. Um, I think on the way back from the SEC tournament, Coach Tom, before we even landed, they were like, yeah, he's done. I'm like, what? How did – and they, they didn't let us go to the WNIT. And so the seniors were devastated. Um, we kind of wanted to redeem ourselves uh, that year. It was, a, it was a rough year for us, and for that opportunity to be taken away, uh, kind of left a sour taste in our mouth. Um, so that senior class, my Joey Bailey um, and Callie uh, Berna, we we wanted something new, and we know we needed something new. And Coach Dax was a fresh – he was a fresh face for us, a fresh change, and he uh, was very open to letting us lead the team. Yep. Um, and as everybody knows, Coach Dax is new to women's basketball. He's been part of basketball for a long time. Uh, but being on, on this side of uh, the court in the coaching seat was way different for him. He was a sweet guy, great guy. Uh, but I think every day, uh, I think that's when I know, knew I was going to go into coaching. Every day before practice, Coach Dykes would call myself, Callie, and Joey into his office. All right, what do we need to do today in practice? What what's what's the problem with the team? How do we make this team great? What what do we need to do? And and scouts, how do we beat this team? What do we need to do to beat this team? And the fact that he listened to us and we we were able to be really bought in and apply uh, what we've learned throughout the years of playing, you know, in the SEC to how to beat these teams, really 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 gave us a spark and he really supported us. Um, it kind of changed the culture. It, it was it was good. It was good for my senior year for us to go out like that. Uh, now that, that game against Baylor was tough. <laughs> but the fact that we got as far as we did, it, it it was rewarding. Yeah, you know, talk about, you know, hit you kind of hit on the Baylor game, but, but talk about, you know, your junior season ends rough. There's a coaching change. But, you know, under Coach Dock's first year, y'all go to the tournament. You win your first-round game against Northwestern. How – just how fulfilling was that for you after all y'all had been the, been through it and your senior class to 
know that, hey, we, we've got the program going on the right track in your minds, and you got to the tournament, and you actually got to win a game, you know, and, and that that's a big deal to a lot of kids because not everybody gets to gets to do that. So talk about that experience as well. That, it was great. We were, you know, riding a wave, and we we just kept it going. I mean, there was, you know, there was a lot of talk about how we got there and why we got there. And I think kind of proving ourselves in that first game kind of shut all those those naysayers up. And I, I'm sure y'all know about it, but the kind of the, the whole wave that everybody was saying is we got we got in the tournament because of who Coach Dykes was to ESPN. And so that kind of you know, put a chip on on our backs as a team. We're like, we worked for this. We worked hard for this. So what we're going to do is show you why we're here. Um, and that Northwestern game was not an easy game. Uh, the, my first, the first half, I played the worst half of basketball ever in my life. <laughs> I think, I think, and I told Coach Dykes, I said, take me out. I, I'm not doing anything for if somebody, give somebody else an opportunity. I know you want to ride with me because I'm a senior, but give somebody else an opportunity. And so that, because the most important thing to me is winning this game, not playing 40 minutes. And so I sat down for a minute, about five minutes to just gather myself. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know. But I couldn't hit a shot. Like, I couldn't make anything. And so the second half um, came out, and it, it was a lot better. And, um, you know, just playing, and, and Melissa Wolf got a key rebound. I think it was like, what, with 15 seconds left? Yeah. Um, maybe. And I think, if I'm remembering correctly, was it? I think I was at the free throw line, and I, I missed my second free throw. I think so, yeah. Yes, and she got a key offensive rebound, which they found her immediately, and then she went to the free throw line. And so that was big to know that, you know, Melissa was a junior at the time, that there was people behind us that was going to kind of keep this kind of going and that we finally got a a, a little uh, push underneath our belt and that we can we can leave Arkansas better than the way we found it. Um, and – that was important to me and and our senior class and just all the things that we had been through, all the coaching changes, it was just kind of a little bit of, of, of a validation. And then being able to call those hogs on that floor and, and let people know like, okay, y'all might have thought we got here because of our coach, but we're staying here because we fight hard. And at the time, I, we had nine players that that actually played we you know we had some injuries um and the saying that coach dykes had in the locker room was that we we're fine with nine we we go <laughs> we're gonna keep rolling and so that that was that was a big deal because we had a lot of people playing 38 minutes plus um and not having a deep bench at the time so it it was a good experience i wish i can go back and play in in that game again yeah, you know, with you being an, an Arkansas grad and, you know, uh, now there's another new coach there in Coach Neighbors and seeing the way he's kind of turned the program around and kind of taking it to another level, even though that y'all may get in a recruiting battle here and there, how proud are you to see where he's taking the Arkansas program and kind of know that not too long ago you were kind of the team that – I guess you, you're – 
you played in the last NCAA tournament game that the program's been to. Yes. Um, I am super proud. I wish, you know, I had another year I could find in the, from the NCAA so I can go back and, and play under him and, you know, put that jersey on one more time. Um, he really accepted me and embraced me um, as a person. He reached out to me. I've, I've been, I went to a practice while I was down there recruiting in my first year of coaching. Um, and what was super special is before every practice, they hold hands and walk together from, I think it's the baseline to the half court or half court to the baseline. And I was able to be a part of that. And so for him to look past, like you said, some of the recruiting battles that we get into and, and all that type of stuff. And he was like, no, this is a, former hog this is a, a former player we're that we're not worried about that she's from western or she you know recruiting from western and, and everybody embraced me and that that was really really big and he's like you're more than welcome to come back anytime i don't you can come watch practice i don't care you can and so i still i mean obviously they reach out to all their alumni and send letters and things like that um but it's just amazing. And every time I see him on the recruiting trail, he gives me a hug and it's nothing but love. Um, and so I think that just speaks highly to the person that he is and, and why he can, he's been able to turn programs around and keep them successful. Um, because he's all about tradition and culture. And so that was big and I'm happy he's there. I'm happy for the girls that are there. Uh, I mean, the, the, that's the second school I tell people to go to. If you're not coming to Western, then go to Arkansas. <laughs> right, and he's he's obviously uh, he's obviously on the path to do some good things at Arkansas. But uh, you know, for you, uh, after you get done playing there, uh, you land a grad assistant job at Western Kentucky. So, uh, what kind of leads you to go into Western Kentucky, and then what were the changes in being? A, grad, a player versus a grad assistant for you? Ooh, um, life hit hard first. That's why <laughs> I, I was a grad assistant. Um, I think as an athlete, we are so used to and we come uh, become accustomed to somebody planning our daily life. And, yeah. you know, we, all, we always say we can't wait until we're able to do it. Don't just wait. That's all I'm going to tell you. Just wait. <laughs> Uh, let people play in your life and let people because then you wake up after that last game and you're like okay no practice uh, no film no treatment what am I going to do today I got to go to class but that's about it and then once you graduate it really is no more uh, tuition money paying my rent so what am I going to do but I don't, I don't know. And so I tried a nine to five job that definitely was not me. I could, I was like, no, I can't do this. This is, I was, uh, selling insurance. And I was like, mm -mm. I don't even know why, why did I do this? And it was just because <laughs> the opportunities that basketball had given me, you know, people wanted to hire me and I was like, okay, well I need it. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, and so that's what brought me into, uh, substitute teaching and high school coaching. I was a volunteer high school t coach um, at Springdale High School under Coach Hunsucker, which is a great coach, a great program. Um, loved being there. 
Um, and so I kind of did a lot of odd jobs. I was a referee for a men's league, a substitute teacher, and I trained kids on the side. And I was I was just doing everything that I could to stay around basketball. And that's kind of when my happiness came back. And I was like, okay, this is something that I have to do. And so I needed time to figure out how was I going to make this a lifestyle and not just a hobby. Um, and so I went back to school. School always gives you time to think about how you want to plan <laughs> stuff out and you get it paid for and you get an experience. So I'm like, okay, I want to be a GA. How am I going to be a GA? So I started reaching out to, and this is why it's important to never burn bridges. Um, I, I started reaching out to all the coaches that recruited me um, during my recruiting process. Uh, and, hey, do you need a GA? This is Jasmine Bowen. Uh, how are you doing? And so I started getting a lot of hits of, you know, like, yes, we're looking for a GA. How do you feel? Uh, and the the third person I call is probably Coach Collins. And I, I'm like, Coach, I want to learn under you. I want to be a GA for you. Do you have a position? He's like, Jazz, we don't this year, but we will next year. Just give me a year and I'll get you the GA position. So that's why I continued to do what I was doing at Springdale. Uh, and that next year I came here to Western um, and it was a big jump for me going further away from home. Cause being in Arkansas, I was only five and a half hours away from Wichita. So it wasn't bad. I was able to, you know, take a drive home on the weekends and it was good. But now it's like thir 13 hours away from any family. Um, and so that was a big change for me, but you know, just being here under coach Collins and having the opportunity to, to learn from him and be the coach, uh, that he was to me, to somebody else, was really, really important to me. Um, and also at the time, uh, our head coach was Michelle Clark Hurd, uh, and she's an African-American woman um, that wins games, that's, you know, been from program to program, and, and that's turned programs around, and I also wanted to learn under her and kind of see how it was different being a woman and a black woman uh, in college coaching. So that was definitely a plus both ways for me. Um, and just getting the experience and being at a, a high mid major program that wins a lot. It, it was, it was really good. Um, so, and then after that, uh, coach Hurd left my, my second year it, ending my second year as a GA, I was getting ready to graduate. Coach Collins got the job as a head coach. And when I, before April, in April, before I graduated, I had a job as an assistant coach at a high mid-major that has a lot of success, that wins games, that, and it was just shocking to me. I, I was, I think I was 25, 24, 24. And I was just blessed to be in that position. And I, that all goes back to what I was saying before, Caleb, about, love your coaches and go to a place where the coaches love you. All of this goes back to when I was 16 years. I've been coach. I've been knowing coach Collins since I was 16, since he started recruiting me. And so now this is all tying back to now I'm working for him. He gave me my first opportunity because he's seen how hard I worked when I played. He, he enjoyed our recruiting process. He, he knows the things that I went through and that how I didn't give up. And so, that the 
place that you pick and the coaches that you decide to play for have a major impact on your life for the rest of your life. Um, and it could be positive or negative depending on how you approach the situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about Coach Collins, you know, making that move and, you know, becoming a head coach. And, and here you are as you're a grad assistant. And like you said, you're at a place at West Kentucky, one of the top mid-majors in the country. And here you are as a full-time assistant, you know, at one of the best places really to coach. I mean, y'all are better than a lot of power fives out there. And, you know, it's no secret why Coach Collins and, and y'all are successful because he takes care of his kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, guess, I guess now is your chance to kind of, you know, why why come play for, for Coach Collins and, and for y'all at Western right now? Like, you know, plug Western Kentucky now because y'all are successful. You know, it's it's in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Y'all have got a great arena. But, you know, a lot of kids from this area may not know about it. So why Coach Collins and why Western Kentucky right now? Ooh, why Coach Collins? Um, I think I'm the perfect example of why Coach Collins. Um, he goes above and beyond, like you said, to take care of his kids, uh, past and present. Um, and he truly cares about you as a person. Uh, we had a, a young lady um, that he registered because he wanted her to graduate. He knew that that was, that was the most important thing for her. Could she have helped us win games the year she registered Yes, 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 she could have. But he decided that he's going to put his pride aside and make sure that she's able to graduate and walk across the stage and, you know, have resources for herself when she's done. Um, and... I think that's what a lot of kids want. They desire what their parents want for them is somebody who is going to make sure that after that ball stops bouncing, they're going to go out of their way and do whatever that they can, that they can for their kids. And it's not just about what you can do with that, that, that ball. It's about what you can do with the ball on and off the court and who you are on and off the court. And then the fact that we win games is just a bonus. That's just a plus. You get to have fun, win games, uh, play for somebody who who truly cares. Um, and we're Bowling Green is a small town. Uh, I think it started off like Fayetteville uh, when I went to Arkansas my freshman year. Fayetteville, now Fayetteville, I don't even recognize it. I I went back two years ago. I haven't been back since, but I don't even recognize Fayetteville. It's grown so much, and Bowling Green has continued to grow. Um, and everything in Bowling Green is Western Kentucky. Everywhere you go, someone's going to recognize you. Um, and so it's almost like the fact where in Fayetteville, uh, you you are the professional team. In Bowling Green, you are the professional team. Everybody's going to come and support you. We get about 2,000 fans out at every game, um, no matter what. Uh, we don't back down from competition. Like you said, we play anybody and everybody in our non-conference. Uh, we play with a chip on our shoulder to prove who we are. Um, you're going to get educated as a basketball player which and get developed as a basketball player, which doesn't happen a lot anymore um, at the AAU level or the college level. Um, and it, it's only a few select programs, and I applaud those programs for doing that. 
uh, and we we have a thousand wins. We have history and culture of winning, and we're one of eleven programs um in the country that has women's programs that has more uh, than a thousand wins. And so, you know, just walking in that arena and feeling the the vibe of all those wins and all those all Americans and all those people that came before us um, is something that's that's truly important uh, to the city, to the university. Um, and and to our girls. And and that's why people come to Western because they fall in love with the place, the culture, and the people there. You know, you talk about the successes. You've had eight years or eight straight years of 20-plus wins, including last year. Um, you know, when everything kind of came to a halt, it looked like you guys, you know, you're going to be in the postseason in some capacity, whether it was NCAA or NIT, whatever. Um uh, just what was the difficulty of the season ending, but also what is the excitement coming into this year knowing you only lost four seniors off last year's team? Well, the difficulty is that that senior class was a special class. Yeah. Four kids, all from Kentucky. We had great community support from all over. Everybody was coming out to see those kids, those Kentuckians represent uh, Bowling Green. And – I thought we were going to get another one. Those seniors have won two rings. They lost their junior year, uh, and they were coming back with revenge for that third ring. Um, and that was going to be our second senior class that would have won three championships. Um, and so that the ring was so close, and that's that was our goal. That was our expectation, and for it to be snatched away uh, – from those seniors was really, really devastating. We were actually getting in, we were in the hotel getting ready, putting our jerseys on, putting, you know, our game day gear on, and we got the phone call. And it hurt. It, it really hurt. Um, because we didn't expect to, to do what we did, uh, especially with the schedule that we played. It was a tough one. Um, and it, it was honestly a blessing to get where we we got and so for us to go into that tournament you know ready to go and it, it just sucked and it kind of you know took the air out of those seniors um but we have two of them that are going to play professionally uh Whitney Creech and Dee Givens who are finishing as Lady Topper Legends um and just got put up on the wall at Western, so that that is great for them. I'm excited for them, and then we have a large, large, large class coming in, and so those kids were now we can really implement Coach Collins' culture because this is his first class that he's really had his hands on, and he had got to hand pick each kid um, that that is is part of this class, and so I'm expecting for us to do great things. It's going to be a lot of new faces out there, um, and even though we only graduated four seniors. We graduated a lot of our scoring, a lot. And so it's going to be very interesting to see who steps up uh, and, you know, kind of put put the put those freshmen under the fight and some of those sophomores under the fire that that kind of got to sit behind those seniors and, and watch them do their thing. Um, I think you're going to see a very close team, a very tight team. Uh, especially the fact that basketball has got was taken away from these kids. Yep. Now they understand the importance of it to them as people. Because, you know, 
we were I think we all were kind of getting in the routine, okay, practice, recruiting, uh, practice, get the kids here, let's go, game, all right, next on. You know what I'm saying? We kind of we kind of took the game for uh advantage. And so the fact that it was kind of taken away from this this group of kids and now it's given back to them, I think it's it sparked a new fire underneath them and they they are ready to go. They're begging to get in the gym. When can we play five on five? And unfortunately, the CDC and Kentucky and all of this, we gotta. We're it's very slow because um, yeah. the kids' health is is the most important thing right now. Um, but the the fact that they're begging to get in the gym and begging to watch film and and it, I just want them to keep that same energy by the end of the season. That's all. <laughs> that's the only thing. So you know, you talked about earlier about being at Western Kentucky and how y'all are one of the, the top, you know, mid majors in the country and, and y'all play in a league where, you know, between y'all and Middle Tennessee State and Rice, um, UAB, Southern Miss, y'all play in a really competitive league. Kind of talk about, you know, the where mid major women's basketball is. It it went from, you know, maybe five, ten years ago not getting a lot of attention to where I mean, y'all were going to get an at-large berth, you know, yeah. uh, you know, into the tournament. Y'all weren't going to be the only one, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just kind of talk about just kind of your league and, and, and where all that's at right now and, and really where the women's game is going. Again, I think that ties back into what I was saying earlier is going to a coaching staff that loves you. Um, and I think more and more kids are becoming educated. Uh, there's – more and more AAU coaches that are really invested in these kids, that are helping these kids, and they're not telling them to chase the name on the jersey. They're telling them to chase where you're going to be successful, what makes you happy, and what coaching staff is in love with you. And I think that's definitely helping in our recruiting process at the mid-major level all around um, because now we're able to uh, get the talent um we're able to have the opportunities to play against these power five schools um, and get the notarized on TV and everything like that. And so it's helping us to really become competitive uh, and, and compete against um, the, the Baylor's and the Notre and the names that everybody knows. Um, and so just the fact that the game has just elevated so much, it's helped us. And to be honest, I, we played middle Tennessee when I was at Arkansas, I think twice. And at the time, if you asked me where middle Tennessee was or where Western Kentucky was, or I would not have been able to tell you. And I think the definitely social media media and the education has really helped these uh, mid major schools. Because we're not, we don't have large TV contracts, right? So yep. we're not on the the regular ESPN channel. We don't we don't get that type of uh, publicity. And so social media has helped us be a platform because now we can reach out to those kids and they can they can see us winning. They can see our girls. They can see the the work that we're putting in. They can see our uh, our campus. They can see all those things and they can see it repetitively. How many, however many times we post on Twitter, however many times, you know, they follow our girls or they do this or follow us on Instagram. And so social media, I think, has definitely helped uh, the, the side of mid-major recruiting um, and helping us to compete at a higher level. 
You know, last thing I've got before uh, we let you get out of here, just, uh, you know, as someone who's been around the game for a long time, uh, you know, just the last few years uh, with, you know, maybe Mississippi State beating UConn or Sabrina Unescu, just the storylines that have dominated women's college basketball, just how much as a whole has it grown in the national spotlight over the course of the last few years? Tremendously. I don't think – I mean, there's been people before Sabrina um, and SQ that have done things like that that have definitely not gotten the, the notarization that she has. And I think that that ties into finally recognizing the women's game um, as a game and yeah. not really – and not just – something that women do you know what i'm saying that we're we're finally getting the respect uh that you know everyone's been asking for for the the past few years and i think that these young ladies who are playing at the college level and kind of bringing all of this publicity to our game and then going into the WNBA is just helping it grow and and the fact that again now women's programs are getting uh, TV contracts that are just as big or bigger than the men's. And so that's all, that's, that's what really helps to elevate the women's game is the fact that people know before they didn't know They they just didn't know. So yeah. if, if it's not in your face, if you don't know, if you're not doing the research, then you don't, you don't, know what's going on and you therefore you don't really care because you don't you have you have no stake in it and so the fact that now it's again social media on espn we're getting the coverage we're getting the now women are they're not silent anymore they're standing up and their their talents are being recognized it is definitely helping the the support of the nba of a larger community just everybody the publicity is growing and especially the support from the nba i think is very crucial in the pro uh lebron steph uh kobe um yep. everybody just saying these ladies can play ball and so if they say that now everybody that's following them is going and looking to see why would he say that like what what is she doing um, and so that's that's all it is. Just the publicity is helping our game because I think women have been able to play for a long time. We they, we just nobody ever knew, and so now that they know, um, it's definitely helping to elevate us. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, it, it's we, you know we're trying to do our part to keep promoting the game on the women's side because we're both you know, myself and Kate are involved in it, and uh, you know that's kind of why we really started this podcast to help you know, give, give coaches their chance, especially assistant coaches that their chance to tell their story, to tell their why and, and promote their programs. And, you know, it's a small part, but we're going to keep doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I have all the respect in the world for, you know, coach Collins and, and the staff up there, coach, coach Jocelyn, coach Tiffany, and, and of course yourself. And I've missed seeing y'all out on the road, you know, it's been different. And, uh, I mean, we, we really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you guys so much. Um, continue to do your part. I appreciate it. Small or not, I mean, it's just it's it's bricks to a building, so it all counts. Jasmine Bowen hopping on with us this morning. Hey, thanks for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys.
All right, thanks to uh, Jasmine Bowen for hopping on for Arkansas standout, current assistant at Western Kentucky. Uh, has a great story, and, uh, you know, is that a program, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it, is that a program that uh, for eight straight years has had 20 or more wins? Uh, and to be honest, probably one of the top five or six group of five programs in the country at this point. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, um, Western Western is a top, like you said, group of five program. They uh, are continually, you know, beating you know power five teams in non conference, and it, it's easy to see why. Talking to Jazz and, and knowing, you know, Coach Collins a little bit that I do, um, you know, they do it the right way. They they bring in kids that are going to bind to their program, bind to being a team. Um, they treat their kids right. Uh, they're going to continue to have success, you know, and, um, coach Collins is a Kentucky guy. Um, I don't know that he's going to go anywhere anytime soon because I think he really enjoys it there. And, and, and why go somewhere else that you're going to have to rebuild when you're already pretty good at Western Kentucky, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so looking forward, you know, to continue to watch them and hopefully we get to see them play this year um in some capacity but uh it's a great interview and it's fun having jazz on yeah for sure um always good to talk with people around the women's game and uh college basketball uh but i don't know that this will be our only episode of the week you and i are going to be um in birmingham hoover wherever uh for aau this weekend so might have something coming out uh sometime this weekend Hey, you never know. We may run into Greg Sankey down there in the SEC offices, <laughs> and he may want to break his SEC football schedule news on our podcast. I mean, you know, who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah, you right. Know? I mean, uh, Nick Saban may be down there. I mean, it, you know. I mean, well, Malzahn. <laughs> uh, I, we all know Nick runs SEC, so <laughs> – uh, but, uh, Hey, I do have to give a shout out to our, our Baltimore Orioles and coach Smith and coach Smith, man. I started looking at, at y'all schedule, man, you wasted $2. Like y'all got to play the AL East and NL East. Like there's no way y'all are making the playoffs. Those are arguably the two toughest divisions in baseball. But anyway, shout out to the Orioles. Shout out to the Orioles. Uh, might be back this weekend. If not, uh, we'll be back, uh, next week again, as always, uh, any guest suggestions, um, hit us up. Uh, and one thing we failed to mention last week that I uh, want to be sure to plug this week is that you can follow us on Twitter now at, what is it, the Undraftables pod, or is it just the Undraftables? I think it's just the Undraftables. Yeah. So it's at the Undraftables on Twitter. You can follow us. We just launched that, I think, last week. I don't know that we, we haven't done anything on it yet. but Not, not yet, but we're, we're getting there. Yeah, hopefully getting to a point where we'll be active on it. So, at the Undraftables on Twitter, you can follow us there. As always, uh, we'll tweet it out from our personal pages. And you can always uh, subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Uh, could have a bonus pod coming out later this week, but we do know for sure we'll be back next week with another guest. Until then, for Caleb Livingston and for Jasmine Bowen, I'm Kate Carlton. So long, everybody. Have a great weekend.